With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There will be no death by inches. This is the Broncos Daily Podcast with Brandon Crystal. I want everything. I want all the meatballs and the pasta, you know. Happy Monday, Broncos country. Your Broncos were back on the practice field. Although in a more limited capacity, I think is a good way to describe it. Now, I guess plenty of guys did go full participation versus the way, say, Von Miller was limited in recent days. But because of the injuries that are mounting up, soft tissue specifically, Vic Fangio decided to switch his practice routine around for Monday's workout and dial it back, get the guys out of pads and just with shells on, and then work against cards in scout looks for both the offense and the defense. So the offense would run nine plays against a scout team where they're in a set formation that presumably the Titans are running. Maybe they're working on stuff for down the road. And then vice versa, the defense would run against a scout team look with scout team players. And so Vic Fangio said after practice, he he did that because of all these injuries. And when you look at the list, it's uh, it's guys who are going to be contributors to what you're doing, if not starters. So starting with the injuries in recent days, guys are out a little longer. Todd Davis. Calf strain, not a not a calf partial tear like last year. Should be back within within a week of when he hurt it, which I want to say was Friday. Then KJ Hamler out a couple weeks with his hamstring. Michael Ojemudia missed Sunday's practice and should be out about a week with a quad. Then today, Mike Purcell has a calf. Tim Patrick, Devontae Bosby, Elijah Holder, all dealing with soft tissue issues. Juwan Winfrey still has his nagging groin pain, and so he is out indefinitely, it seems like. Uh, we were told he was day-to-day last week by Vic Fangio, and he just hasn't made his way back in. And then the most devastating injury to, to date, and it goes without saying, is the loss of rookie linebacker Justin Sternod, who was having a heck of a camp. He was likely going to find his way onto the field at some point, at least in passing downs, because he looked like he was going to be the best coverage linebacker. But here's Vic Fangio giving him a little bit of detail on Sternod's season-ending wrist injury. Yeah, he hurt his wrist yesterday. Um, he had to get it operated on. He'll be out for the entire season. It was a a dislocation that had, you know, that in and of itself wouldn't uh, put him out for the year, but there was other complications too, so. So when you look at where the the Broncos are inside, they had to move Justin Hollins back inside, even though he's much more comfortable outside. Vic Fan just said it could end up being a blessing in disguise. He wants to see him be more decisive and more explosive, so we'll see. And with Todd Davis on the shelf, the inside linebacker group looks like it did last year in camp. There were five guys working there, and so it'll be interesting to see if they try to line someone up to give them more linebacker depth because they can't even run a third linebacker. Uh, so guys like Josh Watson and Joe Jones, one of them will have to play with the second team and then also the third team. So uh, with Hollins over there, your starters are Josie Jewell and Alexander Johnson, then presumably Joe Jones and Watson, who's in his second year out of Colorado State, of course, and then Hollins as well, I guess, will be one of the two third-team linebackers. Likely, they'll, they'll just flop, uh, flip-flop 
Watson and uh, and Joe Jones until they can get a sixth body. So it, it looks similar. I, I'm just not convinced that Justin Hollins can ever get there. Not that he's not the, the right kind of athlete, but y- your mindset is to go get after the quarterback when you're an edge guy. And last year you could tell that he was out of his element and he never really got there. Now he's a rookie in the NFL, so there is everything that goes into that. But I, I think that they're better off either trying to find a vet. You know, Nigel Bradham got cut, and I was told by a personnel guy in the league that he's just a bad dude, and there's a reason that the Eagles and now the Saints have let him go. At the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if they think Davis's injury is a little more significant or will keep him out a little longer and they need someone who's actually going to play, then they may have to sign Bradham because Bradham has nearly 100 starts in the NFL. I think he has 96 starts in his career, a bunch with the Bills, then with the Eagles, and then with... Uh, most recently with the Saints, but uh, and I'm pretty sure he won a Super Bowl if my math is right. So uh, you've got a guy that obviously has experience. It's just a question of do you want to bring someone that has baggage, so to speak, into your locker room? All right, we're going to hear from Steve Outwater, the Hall of Famer, here in just a little bit. I was able to track him down uh, for a few minutes, and and so that's right around the corner. But I want to bring you some audio highlights from uh, today, if you will, or from the last couple of days, actually. Uh, because Pat Shermer talked on Sunday. So here's Pat Shermer. I asked him about the offense and if it's further along than he thought that that it might be at this point because Vic Fangio said as much that, that Vic thought it was further along, and this was kind of early last week when there was about three practices in. Uh, so I said, you know, now eight or nine questions in, uh, eight or nine questions, eight or nine practices in, Coach. Uh, does it feel like your offense is kind of further along than you expected them to maybe be at this point? Well, I think, I think we're working hard. You know, I think uh, you said it as part of your question, but that was uh, that was our eighth practice together. So that, you know, typically your eighth OTA is somewhere back in the spring. Um, but I feel really good about how all our players embrace the Zoom portion of the year. Um, feel good about their attention to detail, uh, their ability to learn. Um, you know, we go out and practice, we compete. It's you know, there's always mistakes in practice, but uh, I rarely see the same mistake twice, which is good. Um, and and normally when you compete against each other, you know, there's good plays and bad plays. You know, I think sometimes everybody wants to walk away from a practice and say the defense won or the offense won. I, I, I don't I've never seen it that way. You know, sometimes the twos are going against the ones, the ones are going against the twos. Um, sometimes we're working on certain situations that's tilted more toward the offense or the defense. And so uh, the important thing is to learn and to grow and, and really do a lot of the things that we're going to do during the season. And we have to quickly uh, develop uh, a kind of an inventory of passes that we're going to go to, runs, um, RPO, um, the, the things that we're going to use during the season and do it quickly. And then, of course, if you're going to talk to the offensive coordinator, you're going to ask him and really everybody about Drew Locke. But here's Pat Shermer on where Drew Locke is in terms of picking up the offense and, and how he likes his young signal caller. Yeah, I think he's, I think he's done a good job. And, you know, I think from an installation standpoint, you know, we, um, he's, he's doing a really good job with knowing what the concept is and going out there and executing. You know, there are times, and this is, this is part of his nature, um, I call them the 60-yard checkdowns, you know, where he can break out of the pocket, keep his eyes down. He does a good job of keeping his eyes downfield, which I think is – uh, part of being youthful. I, I think it's part of him trying to, you know, continue to make plays. Sometimes your biggest plays come on scrambles you know, because it's not always perfect. Um, and so I think he's doing a good job there. 
the details and the tactics of things. I think he's 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 getting better with all that. And and quite frankly, for guys that come out of no huddle operations, you know, it, it's sad to say, but just being working under center and being in the huddle calling a play, although that seems to be natural for quarterbacks. In the old days, that's all we did. We played under center and you call plays in huddles. When they come out of uh, college, sometimes they're looking at cards. They get one word. They barely have uh, an alternate snap count. And so even though he's done a good job with that, those are things that he's constantly working on. And Pat Shermer's worked in the NFL and in college football for a long time. And obviously not just as a head coach a couple years ago and been an OC a couple spots. He has been around a lot of really good football coaches. And so this is just us getting to know Pat Shermer a little bit better. Here he is talking about who were his biggest influences as coaches in, in his coaching profession, in, in his career, I guess. Uh, if you were to go through it, who has he learned the most from? Well, I've been influenced by everybody I've ever worked with. You know, it goes all the way back to college, you know. And, and again, I've been influenced greatly by a lot of defensive coaches, you know, from George Perlis to my uncle. Um, you know, I worked with a lot of outstanding, you know, defensive coaches, Mike Zimmer. You know, I worked for Spags at the Rams. You know, I've, I've been around a lot of really good defensive coaches that Jim Johnson kind of took me under his wing when I was in Philadelphia. And so, you know, I have an appreciation from the defensive guys that it is very important to run the ball. You know, that you need to be able to do that and do it well. You have to be able to protect the passer uh, because people have done studies. You know, if the guy's on his back, you can't complete passes. So you have to protect the passer. Now, from an offensive standpoint, you know, my first, my, my first uh, taste with all of this was with Andy Reid for, you know, 10 years. You know, and, the, and so, you know, the foundation of what we call things is really West Coast. You know, I then... You know, I was with Chip Kelly where it was, you know, it was all tempo. So, you know, you add that part of it to it. You know, I was in, I was in Cleveland with Mike Holmgren who, who taught Andy Reid, you know, so, you know, I learned, learned things there. And then, you know, along the way I was with North Turner and the three digit stuff. So what you try to do is, is, you know, put that together and do things that quarterbacks can do. You know, I think the new quarterback these days, has the ability to catch the ball in the shotgun and deal it. You know, uh, some of the older age quarterbacks, uh, some of the uh, the vintage before quarterbacks, so to speak, they were under center and it was really defined where the ball was going and, um, you know, it was different. And so I think what you got to try to do always offensively, I've been inspired by a lot of really, really good people and really, really smart minds. And um, I think it's important that you use the best, but you also have to do what you what your guys can do and do well. And I think arguably the most buzzed about player to this point has been Jerry Judy. He talked on Monday, and we're going to hear from Jerry in just a second. But here is Pat Shermer on what he thinks of his first round pick out of Alabama. Well, he, no, he's he's got really good instincts. You know, he's a very good route runner. Um, you know, a lot of receivers come out of college and they don't have a great feel for bump and run. You know, because Quite frankly, sometimes defenses don't challenge as much in college as they're going to get challenged here. Uh, and he's, you know, he's done a good job working against bump and run. Uh, he does, ha- he does know how to wiggle himself open. Um, he's been able to make some explosive plays for us. But then there's the little things that he's got to just continue to work on. Um, you know, it's for some of these guys. This is eight times for us working together. 
but they've been in the league a few years. This is eight times working together, and he just got here. So you can imagine uh, the challenge for him. Uh, this is a really, really, really tough year for first-year players. You know, I had, in most years, you would have come in with 10 OTAs, a mini camp, um, all that extra time we spent with rookies that was kind of off the books in, in previous years. Um, you know, you, you come into training camp having watched yourself do it. Um, you know, you've got reps with the starting quarterback. So, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be a real challenge for rookies this year, in my opinion, because they don't have that foundation that you get in a normal, in a normal year. And, but you know what? So be it. All 32 teams are dealing with it. And so it's very, very important that our older players, and, and I'll give, I'll give Cortland, I'll give Dave, Sean, I'll give, uh, Tim, I'll give those guys credit. They've, they've really, uh, they've really put their arm around, you know, the, the, the young guys and they're trying to bring them along. And that's a very important piece as this season is the, uh, talked about it yesterday, you know, as a, as an organization, you know, it's very important. It's very important that the older guys help lead the younger guys. And uh, I feel like in that group, you know, you, even though those players are not like old salty vets, they're old enough to be older than Jerry Judy and, and they've done a good job of leading him. Seems like every day we ask someone about Jerry Judy, especially the defensive players, but even the offensive guys are full of compliments. Here's just one one sample. Here's Bryce Callahan, who spoke Monday as well. He obviously battles with Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy certainly gotten the best of him some, that's for sure, and I think Callahan's probably won some of those battles using some of his veteran knowledge and, and anticipation and ability to understand Vic Fangio's defense. But here's Callahan on Judy. I mean, he's a, he's a great player, man. I love going up against him because I know I'm getting better. He's a, he's a savvy receiver, and, you know. Uh, he knows how to create that separation that, that the quarterbacks love to see. So with everyone heaping praise on number 10, the first question that he was asked today was, how are you responding or how does it make you feel when you hear whether it's veteran defensive players, veteran offensive players continuing to, to shower you with praise? It means a lot, you know, because, you know, guys like that, you know, have like eight years in the league, so they see the best of the best and just going out there and say those type of words, um, really, really exciting to hear that from them. And again, I mentioned the requisite Drew Locke question. So, you're, of course, you're going to ask the guy that throws that that throws Judy the football. You're going to ask about his QB, and it's good that uh, these guys are getting along because the hope is they will be a connection here in Denver, along with Locke and Sutton and Locke and Fant, and, and going down the list. But for a long, long time, here's Judy on his QB. Drew Locke helped me a lot um, even during the offseason. You know, we we step out and. Probably with those some routes with some of the guys. Um, uh, he was a great leader. You know, he was a guy that lead by example. Um, not really talkative. He talk when he needs to. Um, but when he, when he talks, everybody listens. So you know, that's the type of guy that's you know, on your team that's going to play by um, do everything by actions. And over the summer, Jerry Judy got a call from. Emmanuel Sanders, who still lives in Denver in the off season and is going to make Denver's full time home when he finally hangs him up. And they wanted to work out, or Emmanuel wanted to work out with with Judy. So I'm going to just kind of string all these together because he kind of gave us three answers about it, uh, and I'm going to put it all into into one long answer about working with Emmanuel Sanders, what he told him about playing in Denver, and then uh, what it meant that Emmanuel Sanders wanted to learn from him a little bit. Oh yeah, he just um, he just hit me up and said he wanted to come work out with me. So 
Uh, he sent me his location. I went over there, worked out. Um, he was just picking little details in my game, seeing how I roll out, stuff like that. Um, and I was learning a little bit from him as well. So um, it was more of a just, what you doing? Let's go work out time. Really. Uh, he said it's really a, a, a nice city, um, really laid back, but um, also um, playing for the Denver is uh, it's big, you know, you got to go out there and compete and work hard each and every day. So, yeah, it's been a lot, you know, you're saying that I'm doing something right. Um, so having veterans that been in the league four, five, six, eight, ten years, asking me how I do certain things is really exciting because I'm trying to be in the same spot you and you asked me for details in my game, you know, so uh, it's exciting. very humbling. And then the final one I thought was pretty interesting. Here's Judy talking about his unique, route running and his ability to get open and his quick feet and all of that isn't something that necessarily came to him naturally or, or wasn't just a day one kind of attribute. Clearly he had it in him, but here he is talking about his kind of path to, to get to where he is now. Nah, I wasn't. My first my first couple of years playing football, I wasn't really that good, but um, I, I watched a lot of YouTube videos, a lot of highlights, and I played with one of the best receivers in the NFL right now, Calvin Ridley in high school, so so having him around in high school really helped me become a better route receiver too because learning from him, he taught me a lot of things also. So speaking of feet, the foot that was probably talked about the most in the last year and change, at least in the UCL training center, was the foot of Bryce Callahan. He had to have it surgically repaired at the end of the 2018 season, miss the final three uh, regular season games and the playoff game with the Bears and Eagles and then came to Broncos camp and re-injured it two weeks in. I reported before the opener that, that he wasn't going to play, and then a week later I reported that he wasn't going to play all year very likely, and that ended up coming to pass. Now, he was asked right as he sat down to talk with us for the first time really in probably since last training camp uh, where anyone talked to him on the record, and he would, he would scatter quickly when we came into the locker room. It seemed like last year when the, the media had its availability. So no one really ever talked to Bryce Callahan. Uh, but the first question, of course, was, hey, how's your foot? Yeah, right now I'm 100%, man. I put the, the foot behind me. I'm not, I'm not really feeling it at all out there. So moving forward from the foot. It's good that he's putting it behind him. And the question that was also kind of asked with it was kind of explain to us exactly what happened. So a little bit of what I just said, but he goes into a little more detail because it was his foot. Uh, here is Bryce Callahan on the injury. So, like, probably two weeks into training camp, I had a uh, misstepped on it and kind of twerked the screw. So that kind of made a bend in the screw and the, the bone kind of, you know, kind of separated a little bit. So I was trying to deal with that. And then one final thing from Callahan. He's been with Vic Fangio for five years in his NFL career, all five years, four in Chicago than last year. Justin Simmons says he was a very, uh, a really, really big help to them. And I asked Callahan about that today. Uh, he just said, look, it's... Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It was disappointing not being on the field, but that helped him feel connected to the team. Uh, but here's uh, the, the final one from Callahan on how good this defense can be in year two under Vic Fangio. I feel like for year two, a lot of guys, you know, just pick up the scheme a lot better. And, you know, we're able to do 
you know, more advanced stuff that maybe we weren't able to do last year and stuff. So just the knowledge of the defense, people understanding how it's working, I feel like helps in the, the spike of the, the play in defense. Okay, now for the main course, the Hall of Famer, my former radio partner on Orange and Blue 760 and one of my favorite people, a guy that we should have been celebrating in Canton, but thanks to COVID-19, that will have to wait for just a little bit. He hosts a show called uh, Broncos Training Camp Live every day at 9.15 or right when practice starts on the Broncos website as well as on their Facebook page, YouTube page, and on Twitter. And it's really, really cool. I watch it while I'm at practice because I'm able to go back and see some things I missed. And if you can't go this year, which obviously almost everyone listening to this, unless some of my colleagues are listening to this, so uh, just about everybody listening to this can't go to watch training camp. This is the next best thing. So you can go back and watch any of the days. I would recommend last Friday where Peyton Manning was on and how cool that was to have Peyton for an hour just sitting and talking ball. Uh, with Hall of Famer Steve Outwater. So you got a pair of Hall of Famers, a pair of Broncos legends. It was really, really cool. So I urge you to check it out. Real quickly, before we get to my chat with the Hall of Famer Steve Outwater, though, I want to let everybody know about DraftKings because they've got something really cool going on. They're offering up $100 million in prizes to all of their customers, including one lucky winner who's going to take home one million dollars in cash courtesy of DraftKings to claim your share of that 100 million in instant giveaways all you got to do download the app sign up using promo code BK and then enter DraftKings free football survivor pool yes it really is that easy to claim your share of up to 100 million instant giveaways and put yourself in the running to win a one million dollar cash prize Uh, and the top prize is going to be reserved obviously for one lucky winner but everyone who signs up to enter DraftKings free football survivor pool will receive an instant bonus prize of at least $5 in value upon entering. Uh, so download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use my promo code BK. I urge you to do it. Tell your friends to do it and claim your share of $100 million in instant giveaways and put yourself in the running for the $1 million cash top prize. Again, promo code BK to get your share of $100 million in prizes only at DraftKings. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Other terms and conditions and eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Now without further ado, the great Steve Atwater. <laughs> Steve, it feels like we've come a long way from you and I fumbling through the early stages of our talk show on Orange and Blue 760 to you hosting Training Camp Live, powered by Ford on Broncos TV, where you got all these great Broncos as your as your guests, and you are driving the ship, but it's been really fun to watch. You know, I sit up there from my vantage point and then watch the show live on my phone while I'm watching practice. It's been really helpful because you guys get shots of stuff that we may miss, and it's been really fun to listen to you talk to all these other Broncos greats, especially Peyton Manning, who was your guest on Friday. Yeah, it's really been fun, all the different guys that are have agreed to come on the show and we're all having a good time. Yeah, we, we do. I think we got the best uh, best view in the building and we're, and we're covered too. So we, we don't have the sun hitting us too hard. Um, yeah, we, we have, man. It's been a while since we had our show on Orange and Blue. We had a lot of fun back there. Um, and I, I wouldn't say I'm, 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 I'm running the show over there uh, hosting it. Uh, but, you know, the guys and I, we, we, we're having a really nice time and uh, you know, we're all pull, hoping that this team is going to gonna be great. Uh, I know they got a lot of potential. 
Yeah, and, and that's kind of where I wanted to go. Not that I don't want to talk about the show. It's a, a really fun show, and I've talked about it almost every day. I keep trying to tell people if they haven't seen it to check it out. In fact, I've even texted some friends that uh, are Broncos fans that may not listen to the podcast uh, that are in other parts of the country or other stuff going on. I'm like, hey, you need to watch this show, and if you don't watch it live, the cool thing is you can go back and watch it on Facebook or YouTube or on the Broncos website or Twitter and, and get anything you may have missed. So – uh, it's, it's been, it's been fun to watch, but you, you talk about this team's potential. I heard you ask Peyton about it. He said, you know, it's hard to break it down after a few practices or, or, you know, do the daily practice analysis. Cause he kind of hated that, but he was, he was encouraged about this team and, and drew locked, but I'm curious now that you've watched him through six practices, what stands out to you and, and what excites you? Well, um, uh, I, I like the, the, different plays that they're running. They look like they're going to have a, a playbook that uh, can really feature any player, uh, a player who may be hot or may have a favorable matchup. They'll be able to go to it in a, in a pinch. Um, and then just the talent level, man. We, like, we got talent at every single position. Um, you know, the receivers are strong. The tight ends are amazingly strong. You know, the running backs. Uh, and... I just feel like this is this, we're going to surprise a lot of people this year, and uh, you know the, the talent is one thing, but it also looks like the guys get along really well and they're, they're, they're practicing hard together. And I think that's, that's, that's what it's going to take. Uh, everybody coming out, uh, being unselfish, and uh, just putting that work in. Uh, I, I love the vibe that the guys have out there as well. Well. Vic Fangio and, and John Elway are certainly going to have their challenges trying to figure out not only their 53, but they've got a couple of starting spots up for grabs. And Vic said a couple of days ago that he'd like to have all of his starters settled sooner than later, but wasn't going to rush it. So the two, the two biggest position battles, I think, are center and, and third corner. So from your vantage point, again, you got the best seat in the house uh, from where you broadcast from. Who do you think is most likely to be the starting center Three weeks from Monday. That's how soon the season is going to jump up on us when the Titans are in town, uh, and then we'll get to third corner next. But but just as far as that center competition goes with Austin Schlopman oh, and the Rook and, and obviously Patrick Morris getting some good run too. Yeah, uh, the coaches have been doing a great job of mixing up the reps, giving all the guys some reps with each of the teams. So uh, they're not, you know, tipping any hands there. Um and yeah, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't even guess that, man. I, I would imagine, you know, with Austin Slotman being in the system, uh, and he and Patrick Morris for a year, they may have, may have a little bit of upper hand just from that point of view. But uh, Lloyd Cushenberry, he, he's a big, strong, smart young man as well, and if he can pick it up, pick up the offense, uh, you know, he'll he'll certainly uh, be in the running. Uh, you know, if not. You know, the, for the first game of the season, and you know, possibly early in the season. And, and then with that third corner, it feels like Bosby has the slight lead. I know that that coach said that it was wide open with with not only Bosby but Isaac Yadam and Devonte Harris. Harris a little banged up during the week. It feels like he's a distant third right now, but that Bosby is slightly ahead. Do you see it that same way? Would you expect that Bosby's the, the third corner in that group uh, when when the Titans are in town? Yeah, I think so. I think so. And uh, I think um, O.J. Moody is going to be in the conversation as well. 
you know, he's a big, strong, physical corner who uh, the team is high on. He, he's a smart guy. He's made some plays out there, too. Um, and like I've talked about with all the guests that we've had on the show, it's a good problem to have. I mean, now, you know, I know a lot of times when guys get entrenched in their position, they don't necessarily want great players coming in to compete with them. But, um, you know, when they, when they look at it at the end of the season and see how many games they've won, uh, they'll, they'll appreciate what the coaches and, and what, what John and, and Matt have been doing in, in building this roster. You know, you got you can't win games in the NFL without great players. You just can't do it. I mean, you can have the best scheme, you can have guys that work hard, but if you don't have the talent and you know the the, the work ethic and the, and you know that uh, camaraderie, man, it's just it's not going to happen. And uh, I just I feel like there's something special going on there, and uh, I'm hoping that it pans out. For everyone. Well, and you talk about the roster. It really is a credit to, to John and Matt, how quickly they, they've turned this roster over from where it was. You know, I mentioned you and I doing the, the show together just a couple of years ago. This is a drastically different looking team and, and the amount yeah. of young talent has to really excite all the Broncos fans. Yeah, I agree. I mean, in every position you look at, man, they got some, some big, strong guys and, you know, you go and uh, we, we haven't been able to been around, we haven't been able to be around the guys much this year with the social distancing and with the tears and that. But uh, when you just look at the roster and see, man, guys, you know, tight end, 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", offensive lineman, 6'6", you got DeMar Dotson, 6'9", you know, you got 6'7". Uh, the, the, I remember <laughs> – being on the field when the Chiefs ran out there and, and seeing all their offensive linemen and then Travis Kelsey, I was like, Man, these guys are huge. Well, we're, we're going to be that same way. And, you know, you never know what that can do to teams. That can be another little edge when guys see how, how big they are in addition to how hard they play. Uh, just, you know, it may take away some confidence of, of some of the opponents. So uh, I'm, I'm impressed, man. I really am. All right, a couple more quick ones for you. And, you know, talk about the roster turnover. It's still only going to matter to a certain degree what your quarterback can do and how far that position can take you. It's just the nature of this sport. And the quarterback needs help, but you need to have the right quarterback or or I don't think you'll ultimately be holding up that Lombardi trophy like you were able to do twice thanks to the quarterback you had in part with all your other great talent. So what have you seen from young Drew Locke here in year two? Again, just you know, great leadership. He knows what he's doing when he's when he's on the field. Uh, he's mobile. He's you know getting outside the pocket when when there's pressure, and uh, you know making good throws. And I mean, I, you, you can't really ask for much more than that, man. You know, the, the leadership. He's second year guy, uh, and I, I asked Peyton about that. Was, was there a lot of pressure on him to uh, you know just be a leader right off the bat? And he said, "Well, I had to come in, you know, first year and." I had to listen a lot. I had to learn, you know, and, and you know, had to be quiet and learn from the, the the older guys. And gradually it came. And I think that's the way Drew Locke has approached it. Uh, although he had some fun last year with the swagger and dancing on the sidelines, uh, he still worked extremely hard in the meetings and uh, earned his teammates' respect. Uh, you know, you got a, a future Hall of Famer, Von Miller, complimenting you and, and, and you know, uh, showing his confidence in you, uh, you're doing something right. So, um, and, you know, like I said, on the field, 
he doesn't look like a rookie out there. He looks like a he looks like a veteran, and uh, that that can't do anything but hurt. But, but I'm sorry, but help the team. Well, the last two I have for you are really going to dial into your Hall of Fame expertise as a safety. You know, you mentioned that tight end room. You were certainly tasked with covering tight ends. I'm sure you and Shannon Sharp had your battles in training camp. And I actually thought it was pretty funny, Rod Smith, talking about the friendly fire and how you were on the list of of top three guys, uh, you and Al Wilson. And I can't remember who he said the third player was that were uh, the worst with the friendly fire. But uh, I'm curious, for, for safety specifically, Covering tight ends versus covering receivers and even backs, what were the different challenges, especially as tight ends got bigger and faster? Uh, but, you know, you obviously have to change what you do player to player, but even position group to position group. So can you kind of break that down for me, how you would approach it uh, based on, you know, which position player you were you were covering uh, in a certain on a certain yeah. play? You're right, Kate. The, the tight ends have gotten – a lot faster over the years. Um, but I think for me as a safety and, uh, you know, Dennis, I, one of the things that we could do when we had to cover corners and receivers is we did a great job of disguising the coverage. So, you know, he wouldn't know right off the bat. He can just look at me and say, all right, man, he's, he's got me man to man. So I'm going to, you know, throw all these different moves at him. I line up, you know, it's just like I'm lined up in cover two. And, yeah, you know, I wouldn't even be looking at him until, you know, he got maybe four or five yards down the field. And, um, you know, it would make it a little bit easier for me because they didn't know who was covering them. And, uh, but, you know, you got to have your whole defense in sync. And, you know, players, you know, ha- having their assignments down pat to where they can line up in different positions and not get confused and, and you know, get to where they need to be once the, once the uh, defense starts. Um, and, you know, yeah. I had to cover receivers some, but most of the time when I had to cover receivers, it was some, some type of blitz. We're bringing pressure, and you know I, I got a chance to squat, you know, get 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 my eyes back at the quarterback, and uh, you know get a good break on the ball, or you know make sure, be ready for for the guy to go deep. But uh, when you got pressure coming, it, it makes anybody who has the cover makes the job a little bit easier. And, and then finally, with the safeties, I guess. Kareem Jackson last year, it hadn't been truly defined. They had him working safety and OTAs and, and in the early part of camp, then he gets hurt. Uh, so, But we thought he'd play a little more nickel corner, and then he finally settled in, certainly when he was back on the field at safety, I think starting with that Chargers game in, in week five where Alexander Johnson's in there in the middle and, and Purcell's back. But this year, because we get to see Kareem every day, we find out, one, how loud he is in practice. And you may have had a chance to see that a little more than than we did. Yeah, I didn't I did know Kareem talked that much stuff, man. I love it, though. Yeah, so I'm sure you do. And then, so I'm curious, beyond that, just the spirited back and forth, he and, he and Justin together, because whenever I ask you a safety question, I think it's just, without even thinking about it, you bring up Dennis Smith, and it's understandable. He's a guy that not only is in the Ring of Fame with you, but should join you in the Hall of Fame, too. These guys, they likely won't get to play together as long as, as you and, and Dennis did, but it does feel like it, they are on the same page, right? How nice is that, and how hard is it to get to where two safeties are, are locked in and can complement each other so well? Uh, because it does feel like those two guys are there already and, and can just continue to, to grow from where they are. Yeah, I mean, it, it can really be special. And I think the thing that makes it work, though, is uh, both guys – showing up every day, ready to work, putting in the work uh, in film study, 
knowing what's going on when they get on the field, making the proper adjustments. And then they got the talent. They have the talent to go along with it. Uh, and, and, and they're communicating well. You know, it starts with that because if you got a, one of the safeties who has a call down and the other safety doesn't know what the heck he's doing or, uh, you know, isn't, isn't playing up to par, then it can get frustrating. And, uh, you know, that, that's the time that I find many times the, the safeties don't, don't have the, uh, that, 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 that uh, they're not on the same page. They don't get along as well because somebody's not holding up their end of the bargain. Well, uh, hopefully we we don't see that anytime soon around here. I don't think I don't no, think no, we no, will. No, no. no, no it, that's not happening. <laughs> no, it, do, it doesn't seem like it. Well, uh, I know you're a busy guy and you got all the hosting duties and uh, you're a Hall of Famer, but you wouldn't you wouldn't know that all of a sudden life changed for you because you're still the same great guy that you always were. And I'm bummed that we weren't in Canton uh, in early August to to celebrate you getting enshrined this year, but I know soon enough we'll have that chance. Steve, thanks for the time as always. Thanks for helping me break down what we've seen so far in camp, and I'll catch up with you soon. Thanks, BK. See you soon, my friend. I don't think I can put into words what a genuinely nice and caring person Steve Atwater is. Always has a smiling on a, a smile on his face. That's why they called him the smiling assassin. Always quick to ask how my family is, uh, how my little one is, how how my older kiddo is, how my wife is. And it's not just one of those where he goes, hey, say hi to the missus. He says, hey, how's Andrea doing? He he knows my wife's name. I mean, look, he's, he's been to our house and he was my co, uh, co-host for a while, but he knows a lot of people, right? And so it's really, really cool that, that Steve genuinely cares and is always asking how, how you're doing and how the people uh, that are important to you are doing as well. And I cannot wait to be there in Canton with him to celebrate his enshrinement in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. All right, hopefully we've got a more intense practice on Tuesday. We should. So uh, make sure to check back tomorrow. We'll get you a review of everything going on there. And again, as we get closer to the start of the season, this thing is going to kick off your morning. So we'll fill you in on everything going on in Broncos country to kick your day off. Uh, I'm up early anyway doing the updates on Colorado's morning news but uh, the Broncos daily podcast will start your day just like it did last football season so I appreciate you listening we will catch you next time on the Broncos daily podcast with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky no no nothing like that it's just these cash prizes add up quick so I suggest you sit back keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.